Bonjour, ça va? Je suis Louis McParlane et j'ai Philippe Bargiel avec pour moi pour le Get French Football News preview show. Philip, how do you rate that French? That, that was straight from school, by the way. That's not bad. That was pretty, that was pretty good. Sometimes you don't lose it, you know what I mean? It's classic <laughs> permanent, as they say. <laughs> In today's episode, we have a number of matches to work our way through, both from midweek as well as those coming up this weekend. Coming later on in the show, we will have a look at Saint-Étienne's battle against Bordeaux on Wednesday. We will also be taking a look forward to Lille versus PSG as the title race begins to hot up, as well as Dijon's hosting of Monaco with a focus on the visitors. Like I said earlier in some partially okay French, I have Philip Bargiel alongside me today in what is very much like the Grover Washington Jr. Just just the two of us. We, we had a lot of cancellations, so it's just the two of us on this one today. <laughs> um, but I want to start off with focusing on Lille. They did have a game in midweek. They beat Dijon 2-0 with goals coming from Jiu-Jitsu, great finish by the way, and Timothy Weah, also not bad a finish. Um, but the major story coming out from them regards dealings off the pitch rather than on them. To give a quick rundown of things, the recent television malarkey, which has essentially seen the company promising French football their biggest ever TV contract collapsing, plus the COVID-19 outbreak, has had a severe financial impact on the club, with their estimated profits now drastically in the proverbial toilet. Of course, this has been the case for many French clubs, but Lille have been the most recent to give off panic signals around the situation. The club is currently embroiled in hundreds of millions of euros of debt, amounting to around 170 million, made up of loans set to be paid back to some of the club's creditors, Elliott Management and JP Morgan, as well as around 55 million euros, which has been attributed to loans taken out to finance the Lucian training ground, as well as historical debts taken out by the previous owners. The club is now set to be promptly sold to a new group of investors called Merlin Partners, with Olivier Letong, the ex-REN president, looking to spearhead the new project in the absence of the outgoing Gerard Lopez. However, due to the financial situation, despite new owners coming in, major sales in January are expected to be needed in order to balance the books. So... Philip Bargiel, this is a, a massive story coming out of France at the moment. It could be one of many over the next few months regarding how the COVID-19 situation develops and the, the TV deal develops. But what's your initial reaction to, to this news of Lille potentially being in some financial difficulties and them having to sell the club because of this? Um, I think it's a bit um, sensationalism if... Uh, if I may, I think uh, Lille's position is quite worrying from an uh, accounting point of view, of course, but so is many, many other clubs. Uh, one thing you need to understand is that Gerard Lopez, with the uh, with Elite Partners, he doesn't have any money, so he bought the club via a, a leveraged buyout. So he basically loaned the money to the banks, and with that money, he bought the club. And uh, back then, the club was uh, not in a great position. They almost uh, went down. If it wasn't for the very good Christophe Galtier, they would have gone down to Ligue 2. And uh, with the, um, the wage structure, the cost of the stadium, great stadium, by the way, uh, one of the best in, in France, the Stade Pierre Marois, but uh, I'm sure it's very, very expensive. I mean, uh, loads of monthly, monthly costs, mon uh, loads of things to reimburse. 
uh, every month. But uh, Lille did not go down. Galtier did a fantastic job keeping them up. I honestly still can't understand how he, how he pulled that off. And uh, now Lille are top of the league. They very realistically should be playing in the Champions League next season. They're playing some, some very good footballs. They've got a great squad. It's not only just about uh, the Renato Sanchez or the Jose Pont. Um, I mean, I can see quality all over the pitch. I don't see them actually selling, uh, selling to players just yet. To me, this is about elite partners wanting their money back. And if they can find the suitor, if they can get enough money from the suitor to, uh, to, to, to buy, to, first of all, to buy the club and then buy the debt, there's no real reason why they should sell the players. And uh, we've seen it with Olivier Letton. That, that guy likes to, likes to manage with um, a, hefty, uh, a hefty package. It's a bit like the, uh, the Jose Mourinho of uh, sporting directors, if you, if you will. I mean, he spent loads of money uh, at Rennes and it, it was successful. So honestly, I just can't see Leeds saying, "Okay, we bought all those quality players, we're paying very, very good wages, and now uh, we're going to sell everyone." It just doesn't. I, I just don't think it's going. That's what's going to happen. Maybe it will, but uh, if they get enough money uh, from from the new investor, there's no real reason. And Gerard Lopez will, of course, go on to another club where he will do another leverage buyout and spend loads of money he doesn't have, and uh, hopefully it's. Uh, Hopefully it's a success, and uh, he would have made a profit from it. Now that's how. That's basically how he does business in football. So um, we shall see. But again, I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced that uh, January will be a, a sales month for Lille, and I really hope not because we've got a great title race on our hands for the first time since Monaco won the league. So it doesn't sound as if you're overly worried about the whole situation at no. the moment. Do, do you feel that Lille no. are just? No matter what happens, they're always going to be quite a, an attractive package for any investors to get involved in due to the league they're in, the players they've got, the, the, the stadium they have. You know, They're quite a good product to buy into if you've got a lot of money and are looking for a football club. Yeah, that's what uh, that's uh, basically how they how uh, how Lopez got uh, got to own the uh, an elite partners got to own the club that uh, they they were trying to. Um, to penetrate the Chinese market, and and they, they were selling this image of uh, of a of a French football club, and uh, you know I, I think the business plan is to is to sell is to is to keep uh, to to be in the club for a couple of years, three four years. It's four years I think I read in the article. It was I think he 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 bought the club four years ago. And I was to sell it, and uh, you know, if he's if he's astute as he as he can be, he's not always astute financially. Then he would have made a profit, and so would have made elite partners. And uh, then, and then the the new owners will have to uh, will have to deal with, uh, shall we say, the uh, uh, the flaws that you don't see straight uh, straight ahead, like when you're when you're visiting a house and you 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 see you see the big picture, you don't see all the details. I'm pretty sure that. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Lille have much more debt than 108 million. And with this movement, 
could this spell the start of quite a difficult time for the club? You know, there's there's rumours that Lewis Campos, the sporting director, has been looking to get out of the club. Apparently, Christoph Galti hasn't heard from him since October, that the last transfer window, which is obviously quite worrying. And there's also been reports that Christoph Galti is, is a big fan of Lewis Campos and Gerard Lopez. So with them leaving the club, it could also spell the departure of them. Of course, I'm, I'm kind of just trying to come up with some conclusions here as opposed to grounded things that we know are going to happen. But do you think if those two main men in terms of the of the playing side of it, if they both left, could this start quite a difficult spell for Lille again? You know, especially if the finances maybe don't end up improving if, if COVID-19 continues to take a hit, suitors aren't found to the highest degree and players have to be sold just to just to balance the books. Depends on the sale. I think it depends on the sale. Uh, going to uh, Galke, um about Campos, I'm, I've, I honestly have no I, no idea if uh, he's going to live or not. But about Galtier, I think if he if he keeps overperforming like the way he does, he's not going to stay at Lille anyway. I'm uh, I mean there were wow rumors. I was talking uh, about it with with Eric, and I, I asked him, "Have you heard the Galtier to Lyon rumors?" And I'm pretty sure that's where he's going to end. He's going to follow the uh, loads of managers who were uh, ex Saint Etienne would will would manage at, at Lyon. And I honestly don't think that he'll he'll be staying uh, that that long at Lille anyway. No matter uh, no matter who who who's the chairman, no matter who's uh, who's the shareholders, who's the sporting director. It's just ridiculously ridiculously good. So I'm I'm pretty sure uh, Lille isn't his ceiling. And you said that you potentially doubt the idea that there could be major sales in January, but I guess the work that Lille have done, despite these financial issues, is that in 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 the face of that they have quite they have built up quite an attractive roster of players if they had to sell um anyone you know Renato Sanchez has apparently be apparently been the target of a 70 million euro bid from a club in England over the summer I'm not gonna lie I don't know how much I believe that or at least to to that higher transfer bid but other key assets that you have that could be sell, sold if necessary are Yusuf Yuzici, you know, Jonatini Kone, Bamba, uh, Bubikara Samari, if anyone wants an absolutely bang average centre mid, uh, Sven Botman, <laughs> Tommy <Tomiko> Gwabrazovic, <laughs> even, uh, even, even Mike Magnon, you know, these are all attractive players that could be on the way out if they needed to. So I guess that's the positive about this situation, that if Leo does it. have to go on a bit of a fire sale, they can back it up, they do have the, the players to sell. Honestly, I mean, if you if you take Sanchez, uh, not the bang average players, if you take Sanchez and Mignon, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying you get 100 million there, but you you're very close. I mean, you're very yeah. close. I mean, English clubs have spent a stupid amount of, amount amount of money on Liga players before, and these are two very very good players. And I'm not saying is uh, Lila going to to get to get all their money from the debt back from these two players, but uh, more than half. Which is, you know, quite comforting, shall we say? And besides, I mean, we're talking about major financial, uh, high uh, corporate finance players. I mean, uh, private private equity types. They're just, uh, I just, I just don't see them say uh, letting the club uh, being uh, being sucked up in financial trouble in order to get to uh, to get relegated or something like that. They're just, they're just in 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 some great pair of hands, and uh, it, it's important that it stays that way. Mm. They are, they are, I mean, they're like, 
15 other clubs I'm much more worried about than, than Lille. Every club, when they go down, they, they have, they have uh, major issues to balance the wage books and, and the, TV, the TV money not being as good in, in Ligue 2 as it is in Ligue 1. Um, not, not particularly worried about Lille. Does this make their European run even more important now with the TV money they could get if they get into the latter stages of the Europa League? Obviously, it's not anything like the, the money that you do get in the Champions League, but it would still well, be a nice thing. boost. That's the thing. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, even before this story, they they were they are top of the league. So the uh, the winter break comes on uh, next weekend. So uh, shall we say on on Monday, and at some point they're going to have to make a choice. Getty is going to have to make a choice because there's going to be loads of games to be played. Uh, so there's going to be more league games being played in 2021 and 2020, and then you've got the Euros. At some point, Gelsi is going to say, OK, we're in a great position in the league, uh, sod the Europa League, and uh, let's earn the real money next season. <laughs> Do you think... Not, no, no disrespect to the Europa League, which I, which I, which I love. You know, I, I like the, uh, I like the, uh, the, uh, the Slavia Prague and, uh, and the Krasnodars, but well, actually Krasnodars in Champions League this season. But, yeah. uh, you know, if, if, they do, if they do have a choice, I would advise them to just let go of the Europa League and then you qualify. Even if you don't win the title, I mean, it would be massive for them to win the title. I mean, loss would be thrilled. But, uh, they, 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 I mean, it would be great to have Champions League football in, um, in, in Lille again. Of course, of course. And and even if you go for the title, you know, if you go for the title and end up second or third, you're still going to have a good chance of getting to the group stage and, and then you can progress further than that and get into the Champions League latter stages. And, and then, you know, that's when the big money starts to roll in. Whereas if you look at the Europa League, only one team can win it. And you're going up against teams with, as much as Lille are a big club in France, you're going up against teams with bigger budgets, better players. You know, it, it's going to be difficult to go up against, for instance, a lot of the English teams that are plunging so much money into their playing squads these days, but obviously also the talented teams of, of, of Germany, Italy and Spain. You know, it, it makes it so difficult if you're going to finish right at the top of that tree. Whereas in France, where it's a smaller kettle of fish and, and there's more teams maybe where you can build up momentum against and get some goals against, you've probably got a better chance of actually making some money and, and being successful in the league you know it's probably a more attractive um, competition to put all your eggs in the basket for if you want to use that cliche mm. yeah we're going to um, talk about Lille's football like actually on the pitch uh, later on in the show as they are hosting PSG in a massive match uh, this weekend this Sunday the biggest match of the weekend and we will come on specifically to that uh, later on in the show but do you think Lille's on the pitch success can continue despite all the rumblings that could happen off it you know you sometimes see teams that not they, they they suffer financial issues but they don't necessarily lose loads of players i think a good example of that is bordeaux in recent years you know they have had financial issues and that sometimes just somehow seems to carry itself onto the pitch even though they've not necessarily lost loads and loads of players gaitan laborde of course is, is a big one of a couple years ago but you know these teams still have seem to have quite good playing squads but as soon as the stuff upstairs goes off the boil the, the football seems to follow suit do you think galtier is experienced enough to kind of keep the team ticking over at the moment even if there were issues off the pitch if there were issues upstairs with who is putting the money where Gatti strikes me as a as a guy who uh, 
who manages the dressing room really, really well, and uh, the players, I think, uh, they they don't usually take much interest into these kind of stories, into the rumours, into and the media. They're basically usually you well, that's, that's what they tell the media. That's what they tell us, of course. Uh, focus on you know their job. So no, I don't. I just don't think so. I just don't think he's going to disrupt it. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a nice uh, a nice game on Sunday evening. I hope so anyway. Lovely. Uh, like I said, we will come on to that game just a little bit later on in the show. Let's look back at one of the matches that happened in midweek, though. And this was Bordeaux against Saint-Étienne, with Saint-Étienne coming out the victors 2-1 in this one. Arnaud Nordan and Ivan Niu getting the goals for Le Vert, with Huang Yui Zhou getting the goal for Bordeaux, one that proved futile in the end. This win now takes San Etienne to 14th, just one place behind Bordeaux. It's their first league win since the 17th of August, which was away to Marseille. You have to say, Philip, that a great deal of pressure must be taken off Claude Puel with this win. It was it was so surprising. I mean, it was it was really incredibly surprising. Bordeaux was trying to. Be- Always, as, as a, the under underachievers, they can get a great result, but they usually, you know, don't. And uh, so, on a on a on a regular season, I would say that uh, yes, yeah, Saint-Étienne will have their chances to win to win at Bordeaux. But this this one, it was, I mean, Saint-Étienne hadn't won uh, won. I think it was uh, ten ten games, something like that. Uh, but uh, in the sense of heavily losing to uh, at Brest. They were as they managed to do against Lille, where they played very well, and then two very boring nil-nil draws. Actually, we've had a couple of those under under Getty. <laughs> and uh, and now there's this this win at uh, there's this win at Bordeaux, and one player that really epitomised that win was uh, um, Nupa. I think I'm I'm pronouncing this right. Let me let me check. Uh, the guy who scored the, uh, the 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 second goal. Yeah. I mean, even I mean, you. Yeah. And. Um, uh, even even in the other game, he was uh, he was extremely extremely good in the derby at Lyon. He was um, he was he was all over all over the midfield, bossing uh, almost bossing it. And for for such a young age, really really class player. And uh, he he if you haven't seen the goal, I mean check it out. It's a, it's a really well taken goal. And uh, yeah, to me maybe there's I mean. There was always going to be a, a, a talk of, uh, you know, Saint-Étienne being in, in the relegation fight, but now with results like these, all they have to do now is sort the um, is sort the format uh, Geoffroy Guichard because that format is actually quite quite terrible. But you know, with uh, we're one 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 game from the from the winter breaks, they've got a, a healthy five point five point uh, gap between themselves and uh, and Lorient, who are in the who are in the playoff spot. You know, it's good. It's good, and um, honestly, there was talk at some point that Puel should be should be going because he he'd been losing something like uh, six games in a row. Um, the problem was Ruffier. Now Ruffier has uh, has actually uh, left the club. I, I read in uh, in in L'Equipe or it's uh, you know ongoing talks. So I think it's a legal problem now, and uh, yeah, it seems it seems things seem to be turning coming around. Which is good because nobody wants to see Saint-Étienne in Ligue 2. Of course, of course. Probably, you know. The thing is, they probably will because they want to, when I was talking, I'm not worried about Lille. I'm, I'm extremely worried about Saint-Étienne though. So that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that even if they do stay in Ligue 1 on the pitch, they could very well go down off it. 
how how strange is that to talk about San Etienne as a team potentially playing in league in league two soon? You know, one one of the great teams, the historical teams of French football, you know, so successful for so long, and now they're being discussed, you know, in, in the same vein of a team that would play in league two. That that's that's just so strange, is it not, Philip? So they've been they've been there before. I mean, they've uh, struggled for a long time in in league two, and uh, for a, a club so successful. Uh, they've spent yes, they've spent a lot of season, a lot of seasons in Ligue 2. I mean, this is this is pretty much like like loss. Uh, what what a fan base, what a club, what what history. But uh, most of the time, yes, the, the the football isn't isn't very good. You've got you don't have European football that often, and it's not that you know it's it's quite recent. You know, Saint Etienne. Saint-Étienne did, um, did spend uh, three seasons in Ligue 2 between 2001 and 2004. Uh, first season in Ligue 2, they finished 13th. I mean, yeah, it, can, it could happen to anyone. And uh, if, I may, if I may remind our listeners, uh, yeah, finished 17th in 2009, 2010. I mean, it's not like they don't have actually finished 17th last season as well. It's not like they don't have any experience in being in in, in struggling, but they're just yeah, they're, they're just one of those big clubs that are <laughs> actually know what it what it's like to be playing in League Two, which is uh, well a bit sad. Do you think they're on the right track at the moment though, with Claude Puel, an experienced manager at the helm, and some talented players in the pitch? Adil Aouchish, you know, they're probably the most notable, very young one. Do you think they are on the right track at the moment, or like you said, with their the financial side of, of all French clubs potentially about to tank? Are you quite worried about them generally? Well, no, because you've got always um, other other um, other teams that you always can find uh, some some sides that are not as good. But um, there were there were some points like the the defeat at Brest, for example, was bad. But I just can't see Claude Puel um, getting relegated uh, and being being the coach of a of a side and getting relegated. That's I just uh, I just can't see it. It's a bit uh, to put it in English words like Sam Allardyce getting relegated. It's just <laughs> just just knows how to stay up. Uh, even even if he even if the chips are down, he just knows how to stay up. And uh, that's the first point. And the second is that yeah, there seem to be more regularity. It says also, I mean, you've got you've got to to admit, Ruffier hasn't played for a very long time. Jesse Mouna to me is not as good a goalkeeper, so you have to adapt. Louis Pierre, he he retired, um, and uh, and he had to be replaced. You had Wesley Fofana who uh, who played, I mean, blinding performances before moving to Leicester, and I believe since then it's been pretty much a success. It's been a bit uh, not not as good lately, but uh, since the start, but uh, yeah, it's been a relative success at at Leicester. I saw Gary Lineker were very appreciative of his performances. So you've got so you've got Griffier, Perrin, Fofana left. And uh, and it had to, and uh, the uh, the reins were taken by someone some guy named Kolodzie Jack, who's just not <laughs> as good. So you know it's it's just it's just that's uh, yeah that's the uh, uh, that's uh, that's a problem. And Saint Etienne do not have any money. Saint Etienne is epitomizes the uh, the business model of French clubs spending more than uh, they they earn, spending more than you know the, the TV revenue, which you know is is is, is pretty a bad season for. To, to be talking about P- TV revenues, and they make uh, they make uh, the budget uh, by selling same players like Fofana. Mm-hmm. But if they don't have the players to sell, then 
they they don't uh, they don't make a, they don't make any money from from it, and mm. that's uh, yeah that's what's worrying. It, it's it's probably one of the worst run run clubs in 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 Liga. <laughs> you heard so, it here first, folks. <laughs> well, I heard I heard it first elsewhere, so uh, I'm just uh, <laughs> past the leave. Spreading to joy. Yeah, the thing with San Etienne, obviously sometimes as an outsider, it's hard to get a real idea of how a team is doing financially because, you know, sometimes, like you were saying earlier about, about Lille, sometimes when you look at a club, you don't see every little detail. You don't see every little part of how a club is doing. So what you can sometimes do is just focus on the football on the pitch and, and hope that the dealings off it follow suit. And when you look at San Etienne's team, and of course they're sitting 14th, which is not ideal for a team of San Etienne's side, but you look at some of their players and there is talent there. You would hope that the talent that is in that starting eleven could just carry them through with Club Puel, who, you know, many people may watch the, the Leicester reign and class him as a torrid manager, but he's still a, a manager of a, of a lot of steam. He's a very talented coach. And you look at their team, obviously, you were saying about Jesse Mulan, he's not fantastic, but other players like Ariel Aushish, Denny Buanga, I, I'm a really big fan of him. I think he's a fantastic striker. Uh, Riyad Budibu, I'm not a massive fan, but keep, people keep telling me that he's good at football, so I'll trust them. Uh, Arno Nordan scored a beautiful goal uh the other day with his left foot, I believe his right foot as well, so that was gorgeous. Ivan Neu, we spoke about earlier, really good player. I saw him first in the Super Cup final, um, or the Trophy de Champion, rather, uh, against PSG, and he performed very well. There are good players there. When you look at the bench, it starts to drop off. Stefan Bayic, Alpha Sissoko, Sado So, you know, it's not a lot of real depth. You've got players like Zeri Yusuf and Romain Hamouma, um, Wabi Kazri, of course, as well, but the latter of those at least haven't really performed well for quite a while now at San Eten. So you fear that if any of those players that are kind of carrying the team forward at the moment do get an injury or something, it could all start to fall apart. Let's look at their opponents for this game, or rather their opponents in the game just past Bordeaux. They now sit in 13th. You know, Jean-Louis Gasset had taken the reins over the summer uh, since the departure of the previous manager. Jean-Louis Gasset, he was out of a job for a while uh, since leaving Sané Etienne, and he's come back to Bordeaux. They finished 12th last season under the Paulo Sousa, the different manager. Do you think he's really improved Bordeaux as of since, or is there still a lot to be seen from Jean-Louis Gasset at the club? You know, you have to remember that he had a very impressive reign at San Etienne, but we're still to really see that at Bordeaux. I don't think the squad, uh, I, th- I think 13th pretty much sums up, yeah, pretty much sums up the squad. I don't, uh, I mean, I, I think they, they they always tend to find the resources. I don't know how to finish uh, to, uh, I mean, they always seem to find the resources to finish top half, but when you look at the other at the two last um, uh, league uh, league finishes, yeah, it's in the uh, it's in the bottom half. So uh, 14 in 18, 19, and uh, certain, no, sorry, 12 in 1920, and it's it's just yeah. Uh, I mean, Gassi has uh, has made Bordeaux. Uh, you know, it's the same. Uh, I mean, th- th- he's made them uh, regular. You know, standard. It's standard. It's standard Bordeaux. It's a standard Bordeaux season. Sometimes they win. Sometimes they get very surprising wins. Sometimes they uh, don't lose at uh, at the Parc des Princes, for example. Sometimes they get very important wins at Rennes, and uh, then they lose. Then they they disappoint. And uh, last night was about uh, disappointment. Uh, losing at Lille to me is a is a logical result. 
um, losing losing to the likes of Marseille too. I mean, I'm not really expecting them. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a third consecutive bottom half finish for for the club because the club doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really want. Isn't really ambitious. It must be it must be horrible supporting them really because uh, they've always been in Ligue 1 and uh, to me that's uh, maybe a, a side that could could spend a couple of seasons in Ligue 2 and then uh, come back with uh, with better um, aspiration shall we say. But yeah, yeah to me uh, 13th is pretty much on the money. Do you see Johnny Garcia? You know, it's uh, not not Bordeaux's biggest fan. I know, I know. Do you see Jean-Louis Gasset getting the opportunity to be the manager of there for quite a long time, though? You know, it's especially in the last few years, you know, basically since Jocelyn Gouvenec left, they kind of got into a bit of a pattern of bringing the manager in for a couple of months and sacking him, bringing him in for a couple of months and sacking him. Gus Poyer came in and he left in a fantastic fashion if you're if you love your football drama Ricardo Gomez came in and was pretty awful Paulo Sousa came in was awful and then got a lot better and now Jean-Louis Gasset has come in and joined the club do you think he will be given the time though and the patience to really instill his football on the club because as we've seen in the past with him you know he has been a successful manager elsewhere he does have the history behind him The, the thing about about uh, managing at Bordeaux is you 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 mustn't be too ambitious and you mustn't ask for too much money. Uh, that's the problem with Gus Poyer. He wanted he wanted to have a hold on the transfers. He wanted, for instance, he wanted Laborde, and then Laborde left to 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 Montpellier. He wanted Laborde to stay because Laborde is a good striker. And then they saw the uh, the Bordeaux board sold him. Sorry, they uh, they sold Laborde. Uh, without telling Poyet, I said, you know, you know what? That's just the way the way things are done around here. And Poyet said Poyet wasn't happy. And then I believe he got sacked. I don't think he resigned. I believe he got sacked in a very nice, uh, uh, very entertaining press <laughs> press conference. It's, I mean, it's probably, it's probably the most interesting thing that happens to the club in in the past in the past five years. And If if Gasset is is, uh, is okay with uh, working on a shoestring budget, no problem. But if he wants if he wants to build the club, he wants to make them a European powerhouse. He, it's going to be quite quite tough. Then uh, he's probably going to have a harsh words with the board, and uh, the board will say, okay, it's time to change. That's it. But I'm pretty sure the board is perfectly happy with uh, not spending too much money because otherwise they'll lose them, and um, and then. Uh, pretty happy with yeah with a with a lower mid table finish uh, just uh, just to yeah to not pay too too uh, too much wages and uh, so on. It's yeah. very sad, really. Not very so, boring. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens with them, though, because they're bored in, in recent years, like I said, have been a little bit trigger-happy. But I hope Jean-Louis Gasset is, is trusted with the job, because I do like him as a coach. I liked him at Sané Etienne, and hopefully he can get similar success there for the Bordeaux fans. You know, um, they, they deserve it. They deserve it with the, the stuff they've been put through recently. Raphael Zucoban, who uh, runs Get Italian Football News, is a big Bordeaux fan. So hopefully they can he can put a, a smile on his face, hopefully. Let's move on to a preview of a game this weekend. We mentioned it earlier. It's probably the biggest game of the weekend. It's first versus second. It's Lille versus PSG. And 
Philip, PSG come into this game as second, you know, as the challenger, and that's a, a rare occurrence in a fixture where it's first versus second. What is the atmosphere like in the capital coming into this game? Is is there any is there any nerves ahead of it, or or are they still expecting to take all three points away from this, albeit very talented, Lille side? The mood, the current mood is uh, that there's a lot of injuries. Uh, the club has played the final eight and then uh, basically started the season. Uh, they had to play the Champions League. Um, so six games and almost got knocked out. Had to uh, had to uh, win at Old Trafford, uh, preferably by more than one goal, uh, or at least you know win win on aggregate. And uh, there's loads of injuries. I mean, I don't so so I don't know if if people realise what happened last night at, uh, against Lorient. But uh, we started so uh, with a back three of Kerrer on the right, Danilo Pereira, uh, a central centre-back. And, of course, our other left-sided centre-back, so three at the back. Danilo got injured, along with, you know, the 15 other players. And so he was replaced by, the, he was replaced by a youngster who is, who is quite good, um, Pembele. And uh, so, but, so what happened is that uh, so Pembele didn't come in as central centre-back, we played on the right, which meant Tilo Kerrer, who's really not our most reliable guy, uh, plays a central centre-back, uh, so in the middle of the back three, uh, against Lorient. And it's just, uh, it's, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was quite ridiculous to have such a, such a, weakened, such a weakened side. And uh, you, can, you can just tell that uh, things, things are quite... Um, funny in in a in a in a in a odd sense uh, when you have that under Herrera as uh, as captain. I don't think he ever captained uh, Man United, or maybe maybe he did uh, before in his career. I believe he, he he's from Bilbao. Um, but uh, it, the the amount of injuries. I mean, uh, the players basically want uh, want to, uh, twenty just like just like every human being. I think the players want twenty twenty to end. And so, <laughs> so there's so there's a um, some kind of uh, we call it uh, we call it très hivernal, so uh, winter, yeah, so yeah, winter break. Uh, I was going to say truce, but uh, winter break is a bit better. Um, but that winter break is not exactly going to be very long. It's just one weekend where nobody's going to play, but that's it. I mean, it's not, it's not massive. I mean, uh, the, the, the players will still have to play loads and then you've got the Euros. So, yeah, that's basically the mood and Tuchel is, uh, and, and Tuchel is in the mood as, as, uh, in, as usual. Saying, uh, I'm pretty sure he's, um, he's going to say, OK, I finished the season and then I'm off. Because you can tell he's a, he's a bit mad as a, of the, every, every time the same questions he's being asked by the media. Yeah, it, it doesn't really seem that he's extremely content at the club. You know, it, it seems like a, a case of is he going to leave or is he going to get pushed? You know, what's what's going to come well, first? Um, uh, the season's going to end and he's going to do something else. He's going to manage another side. Could see him, Could you see him getting sacked before that? Before the end of the season? No, no, no absolutely not. I mean, uh, he he still remains in the um, in the record books as a guy who uh, who got us to a Champions League final. Uh, great performance at Old Trafford as usual, uh, and, and terrible performance uh, at home to Manchester United as usual. Um, and uh, we'd really have to get beat ten nil by Barcelona for him to get sacked. 
or you know, or you know, uh, play play terrible football uh, and uh, be in something like the seventh position in Ligue 1. But to, it, to to me, if there was a time to for him to get that, it was it was probably the uh, the defeat to, at home to Manchester United. Mm. I would say, but uh, you know. Yeah, uh, things got turned around, and he's got he's got the players backing. I mean, nobody can uh, can dispute that. And I think he's still he's still doing a pretty uh, quite quite a solid job, given given the uh, the level of uh, of stamina uh, lacking from from the players. I think I think it's not as it's not as easy as it looks uh, being a PSG manager. And I think he's uh, he's he's putting in the efforts, and I think a lot of people would do would do worse. How close do you see the title race going this season? You know, with Lille carrying so much momentum at the moment, PSG have lost four games already. Lyon, even though they're not playing incredible football, they are doing okay on the pitch. They set third at the moment. How, how close do you really see it being when the season finishes uh, just before the summer? You know, do you still see it being as tight as it is now? Or will PSG or one of the other teams begin to really put distance between them and the rest of the clubs? Well, it depends, of course, if Mr. Lopez decides to sell all his players in January, which I hope he does. <laughs> um, Lille, to me, are the, the contender for, for PSG uh, this season. And the other one, I would say, is Lyon. I think uh, Marseille have a... I'm not going to say they were lucky, because you know Marseille, Marseille are virtual leaders of Ligue 1, because they've got two games in hand against Lens and against Nice. And uh, if they win both of them, uh, they'd be top of the league by a point, but uh, no. To to me, to me, the uh, quality uh, quality isn't uh, isn't all that yet, and I honestly don't <laughs> I honestly don't wish for them to to play Champions League football again. I think uh, you know could uh, wouldn't hurt to wait a couple of years. But uh, Lyon, they they know where they belong. They they want to Oles wants to get back to Champions League football. And um, and without European football, I think they can they can do just fine. I mean, they played a great game last Sunday. Uh, last night was not great, uh, shall we say? Uh, Lopez doing uh, uh, something I don't just do not do not understand jumping on a player like that. Uh, Wild, very, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I just don't understand. I just uh, what why? I mean, he is a technical player. I mean, anyone can take the ball and uh, just you know clear it. We just didn't. I, I don't know, uh, but you know nobody's perfect. Um, still, he's still uh, uh, a great, a great goalkeeper. Mm. And uh, but still, I think uh, they, they they usually struggle against sides who who uh, who sit tight at the back because they've got so much quality going forward. Kadewere is um, is uh, proving to be an astute uh, an astute signing. I mean, really good player. Um, and uh, Memphis is, is always um, it's always uh, there to uh, to unlock the defenses. So yeah, to me, Lille, to me, other contenders, they don't sell anyone, and if they sell all their squad, of course, uh, for one billion euros, um, then uh, Lyon. Yeah, just a, a quick note on that Lopez uh, penalty given away last night. Honestly, Anthony Lopez is, is a good, he's a fantastic keeper. He's a good keeper with his feet, but he just runs up, runs up. You know, he's so determined. He's, he's trying to beat, I think it's Steve Mounier, he's trying to beat to the ball. Run and run and run and determined, determined, Usain Bolt. And then he just stands up as if he's waiting for a bus and just crashes into Mounier and flops him right at the ground. Mm. It's, it really it's, was it's a strange, strange one. Yeah, very strange. 
uh, I see. I see. He's uh, he's uh, he's trying to imitate Neymar lately. Was uh, you know doing all his roles when he's uh, being being injured and stuff. Uh, he he almost out Neymar Neymar on uh, last uh, last Sunday. It was a bit ridiculous, but uh, again, you know, I mean, it wasn't it it wasn't that uh, that bad. But uh, he did. I mean, to me, Lopez last night he did cost his side two points. Mind you, yeah. I mean he I mean he he makes so many saves that uh, he uh, he uh, uh, he he earns his side points. But uh, yeah, I mean, last night's on him for sure. You know, I think the penalty was. Yes. And he actually scored a goal too, so it, it was a really bad night for him. <laughs> it's, it's one of those with the breast strike, if you haven't seen the goal. So breast striker hits a post and the ball rebounds on, on Lopez's back, so, it's, so it counts as a non-goal. So yeah, it was a, <laughs> uh, yeah, unlucky, not, uh, not his day yesterday for Mr. Lopez. Uh, okay, Phil, before we move on, uh, Lille versus PSG this weekend then, how do you see that one going? What will be your score prediction for this one, do you think Lille can 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 get the three points over PSG, a PSG side with a lot of injury issues? Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. I'm uh, I'm torn between one one and two one to Lille. I don't think we'll win. Uh, I'm going to say two one to Lille. Uh, mm. uh, uh, but again, it depends on on the on the format, depends on on uh, the formation, the tactics, and well, I mean, it usually does depend on 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 how the players play. Uh, but yeah, I reckon they they could could be could be two one, yeah, two one or one one. I would say. Yeah. Thing is, a lot of the time when these games come about and Lille are, are quite confident, they're like, okay, we're going to really give PSG a rollick, and they end up just slipping up. You know, the last two games have both been just pretty standard 2 0 wins for PSG. Obviously, you had that, I think it was 5 1 win that Lille had back in 2019, which was a, an absolute freak match. But usually, I see Lille kind of slipping up in these games, which is, as much as I like them, why I'm going to say like a like a one one draw or a two two draw? I think I'll go two two because I think goals will be scored in this one, uh, with the form that Jujicien and obviously Ken and and Mbappe. Uh, so, so I'll go two two draw in this one. I, I honestly can't really see Lille winning this, even though they are playing very well right now. They just always seem to kind of get scared when they do <laughs> welcome the champions to the north of France. When did they win five one? They won five one in April 2019. Right. I remember it was in the same match. I think Nicola Pepe got a couple. Uh, Gabriel scored. Bamba scored. I'm pretty sure PSG had a man sent off that game as well. It was. It was. I remember. I remember it just being an insane match. Like the second half was absolutely insane for goals. Um, but yeah, apart from that, Lille never really, really give PSG a game. But, but hopefully, it can be an exciting one coming up this weekend. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Bernard got sent off and uh, Munier scored an own goal. Right. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember much of that. I mean, yeah. To be honest, when Hamilton lose five one, I also don't remember a lot about the games. They always just I, I always forget, I always put them out of my mind. Don't worry, I'm the same as you. Against, um, against Ross County. Oh, oh, it always is. They're always really good against us. I don't know what it is. The, the Highlanders, they always seem to play well against us. Um, we have one match left to look at before we finish up. Uh, this is Dijon versus Monaco. Dijon at the moment sits rock bottom of the table in 20th with Monaco in 8th. We did a big piece on Dijon a few weeks ago. It might have been last week. I, I can't really remember. Um, so we're going to concentrate on the visitors for this one, Monaco, as they head into this match. Philip Bargiel, Nico Kovac has been at the helm for a couple of months now. When he was announced as manager, what was your initial thinking of him coming to the club? And since he's been in the job for a while, 
do you think it's paid off? Do you think he's showing some signs of progress, some signs of stability at a club that has had very little stability in recent years? Yes, very much. No, I think uh, the, um, the general feeling of uh, Nico Kovac arriving in France was first, uh, well, that's good because we've got a great uh, great manager arriving in Liga. We had the uh, Jardel gate where he was sacked and he was uh, reinstated and he was sacked again. And then and there you have a guy who's uh, who probably wouldn't have, uh, have signed without uh, some types of, uh, of guarantees. And I think he's uh, I think he's doing a great job. He's got a he's got a good squad um, to to play with. He's giving Yusuf chance. Sofian Diop um, playing uh, playing a, playing a great season. You've got Jovetic, uh, maybe not to rejuvenate or anything because he hasn't been their best player. But Petro Pellegrini also uh, making uh, cameo appearances, and you've got of course Ben Yedder, Jelson Martins, Kevin Folland, who adjusted to life in France very, very well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a general, there's a general feeling uh, about, uh, about Niko Kovac coming into Monaco is very, is very good. Uh, last night, didn't watch, a, didn't watch a whole game. You, you do have to realise, uh, I mean, it was, it was a shock, honestly. It was, uh, there were two shocks last night. It was Bordeaux Saint-Étienne and Monaco lost. So lost one, actually, 3-0 at Monaco. I think you, you would have been... You, uh, you would have been uh, well advised to, to bet on that one. You would have made a lot of money. Uh, so Lance scored after a couple of seconds. You see, you see that. And then Disassi got sent off. So from then on, it was a bit, uh, yeah, it was a bit complicated. But I think, I think, uh, I think uh, people do tend to underestimate, uh, underestimate Lens, uh, as uh, because of... Uh, they're coming from Ligue 2 and they spent loads of time in Ligue 2. They got beat, I believe it was 4-0 in the derby at Lille. Uh, with um, yeah, it was it, it just wasn't uh, it was, just wasn't an even an even game. But uh, yeah, last night was all about loss winning and probably not Monaco Monaco losing. Other than that, I mean the results have been have been fine. Uh, they uh, they beat PSG. Uh, they beat uh, they beat Bordeaux. It's a bit disappointing that uh, they can't they get beat away from home at Lille and at Marseille. And last night was disappointing as well. But uh, you know to uh, to to basically say uh, say the opposite. They're going they're going to host loads of sides in uh, in March and April. So they're going to host they're going to host Lille. Uh, they're going to host uh, Lyon. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can see them taking taking points from those. Mm-hmm. We don't. I mean, we we we've had this conversation on the Monday podcast, and and uh, it honestly feels like the top five is is not set in stone. But uh, Monaco do belong in that in that top five uh, with the other four, maybe not in force or anything, but uh, along with Lille, PSG, Lyon, and Marseille, you then uh, Monaco uh, to uh, a lot of people would be the best of the rest. Yeah. I mean, Monaco sits eighth at the moment on 23 points, but because of how tight that kind of upper middle portion of the table is at the moment, it means they're only three points off fifth and four points off fourth, you know, two places that with the state that Monaco is in at the moment, you'll look and say, OK, they're, they're, they would be good places to finish. And when you look at their next few games, like, like Philip, you were saying, you know, they've had a couple of defeats in recent weeks, three in a row, actually. The Lons defeat last night, which had them playing 70 minutes with 10 men, which is always tough against a very good Lons side. They lost against Marseille in a game 
where I still don't really know how Wissam Ben Yedder, a striker of his quality, didn't have two goals. Uh, he missed an absolute sitter and an, a defeat away to Lille, Lille, who are top of the table. So, you know, as much as they want to win every game, it's always going to be a tough one. But look at their next few matches and you see a lot of opportunities for points. They are away to bottom club Dijon this weekend. That's got to be a big opportunity. They then host San Etienne that, like we were saying, got a shock win this week, but they've still not been anything above good uh, this season so far and then they're away to newly promoted Lorient then they host Thomas Wiseman's Angers you know like there are opportunities for points there and Nico Kovac with the way that the team is playing right now you know like I said obviously they have had three defeats in a row but generally that set up with um with Voland playing well, De Sassi playing generally well, Badiashile, the nice midfield three of, of, of Fafana, Chameni and, and Diop, you know, there is a nice little run for them. So from those next few games, Philip, they've got to be targeting maximum points, especially in the games against Dijon and Onji, you would have to say. Maybe Lorient and Sanetti and them will be a little bit more difficult. But with a coach like Niko Kovac at the helm, Monaco have got to be a bit more cutthroat about these next few games, shouldn't they? They need to be targeting wins if they want to start getting up the table. Yeah, about Dijon. Uh, so I'm probably in the minority here, but I think there's a squad there that, uh, given the right, uh, shall we say, impetus, uh, they could do something. They, they just could do something, and uh, it's almost like uh, they've got nothing to lose anymore. I mean, they're not they're not traditionally a Liga place. They're not a Liga club or a Liga place. It's not a Liga stadium, and uh, I think it's it's basically okay. We know we know we're going to uh, we know we're probably going to go down, but we're gonna we're gonna give it our best shot. And I believe Monaco and under much more pressure at Dijon than uh, than Dijon themselves. So it's one, it's one of those, those, uh, those games where Monaco, they just cannot afford to drop points. I mean, if they want to make the top five. Not saying that Kovac is, is under any kind of pressure at all, but uh, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that, that's uh, a bit of a high-pressure game, would you believe? Philip, I'm glad you agree with me about uh, Dijon. I don't think there's an awful team there. I'm glad you agree. You're the first person to ever say that with, agree with me on that. Um, Musa Kanate was recently signed from, from Amion. You know, a, a couple of years ago, he was the striker. He was the hot striker. Everyone everyone wanted a piece of him. And, and maybe he's dropped off in, in the last year or so. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had a poor injury that kept him out for a lot of last season. My, my mind may be treating me wrong there. But, you know, he has had his struggles. But he's still a good striker. Muni Chaiwar, no one can pronounce his name, but everyone loves him. Uh, Bersant Selina, Pape Cheik from, from so, Lula, yeah, you know. Shuya, it's, it's my Scottish yeah. accent always uh, always trips over it. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there's talented players there. And I think, like you were saying, if Dijon went on a little bit of a run, I, I don't think there's much holding them back uh, in terms of squad from other teams around them. You know, I, I would say, looking at, I don't want to make uh, assumptions, but, you know, some of the other teams above them, I don't think they necessarily have better squads, is what I'm saying. So I'm glad that you agree with me on that, that they're actually not What's... as bad as they look. No, no. No, uh, I'd say Nîmes and Lorient have uh, worse squads than Dijon, but then it's probably Dijon. But uh, I think I think they they can make they can grab points here and there, and it's not as bad. The table is not as bad as it seems. I mean, if you watch them, it's it's okay. It's, it's, it's a big uh, it's a big drawback, of course, is uh, zero home wins, and that has to that has to change. I'm not saying it's going to change against Monaco, of course, but you know, to, <laughs> to, to me to me Nîmes don't have a squad. Though, yeah. yeah. 
they're not uh, you know they they don't they it's uh, it's pretty bad they lost to they lost to nice last uh, last night being a man up so at home well the not saying that there's no more home or away with with no fans, but uh, you know, uh, but yeah, Dijon they, they seem they they have they have something, have something. I'm not saying they're going to stay up, but you know they have something. And and again, they 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 yeah they they've got their backs to the wall and say okay, well it can't it can't actually be worse. So so if they if they make a, if um, if the manager gets his tactics right and at halftime it's still nil nil, you know who knows. Mm. So, give me your score prediction for this one then. Dijon, rock bottom of Ligue 1, hosting Monaco, a team looking to be on the up. How do you see this one finishing in terms of scoreline, Philip? I'd say 3-1 to Monaco. 3-1 to Monaco. A lot of goals, lots of goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of free, <laughs> free, free scoring goals. I think Benielli will have fun on, on, um, on that one. Yeah. Yeah, Dijon are nothing special defensively, which is a shame. You know, there's a lot no. of kind of aging players that play around um, Jonathan Panzo, who's a lot younger. But you know, Equile Manga beside him's probably over the hill now. Fouad Shafiq is also not that impressive anymore. So it, it could be quite a difficult season for them. You know, they really the need Sun- to get there. The Sunderland fans need- may remember DJ Ndong, who played a yes. bit of them. Yes. <laughs> He had a tough time in England, but you know it's been slightly better in France. But he's nothing probably to probably to write home about. He won't be getting in the GFN 100. I'll tell you that, Philip Bargiel. That's a that's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> so so close. He was he was probably 101 or something like that. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's wrap it up there. I, I I think my score prediction. I'm going to say two 0 to Monaco for this one. I I like Dijon. I do like them, but I don't think their points are going to come against Monaco this season. But I do like them. But yeah, I'll go a 2 0 win for Monaco. Um, and that is going to wrap us up. If you're looking for more information on all things French football, you can catch us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. If I had to give you um, a recommendation of an article to read this week, read the feature that is on Paul Mitchell's first six months at Monaco. He's the new sporting director uh, in the Principality. And, you know, it's an interesting article about how he's done so far and how the players that he's brought in have, have coped, as well as uh, the players that are out on loan on, on various satellite clubs and whatnot. Very interesting article to get your teeth stuck into on a Friday morning or whatever, whenever you are listening to this. You can also find us on Twitter at GFF. N. That's where we get all our abuse on Twitter. Um, I have been joined by Philip Bargiel. I have been Lewis McParland. Thank you very much to you for listening. And just like we were saying there just before the end, the GFN 100, the Get French Football News 100, which is a catalogue of the 100 best players of the previous year in French football, that's going to be coming out on the 1st of January. So keep an eye out on the website, getfootballnewsfrance.com, for when that does come out. I've got a couple of articles coming out on that. I know Philip has a couple of profiles as well. It's always a, a really good catalogue so get your teeth stuck into that as well when it releases but once again thank you very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one